Gavin. Hey, Louie. Can you imagine? Look at us in the daylight. Look at this skin. Look at this this radiant, the sun glowing on both of us. Please, I have a filter on. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, I do not look good until 3 p.m. And then you have a window from 3 p.m. to 3:02. That's and that's, that's it. <laughs> we got the early drag filter on. Yeah. Early drag race filter. Um, but we are we are doing a daytime podcasting today because we have a very very special guest today. We do, we do. It, this is so exciting, and I'm very nervous, and you can probably hear it in my voice, but uh, we have one of the co-authors of TCM Underground, 50 must-see films from the world of classic cult and late-night cinema. Oh my god, please welcome to the stage, Quitoya Murray. Hello! Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm like Vanna Whiting the book for yeah. our Patreon <laughs> audience right now. Um, Vanna White as well. <laughs> yes, and, and Toya is joining us from Paris, a Parisian yes. girl. <laughs> um, and so we, I'm so glad that we were able to find the time where we were both awake to do this. Yes. Um, because science and time and all that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> before we jump into the wonderful reason why we're here, we have a little bit of old business. First, in our last episode, we talked all about whodunits Um Super fun, super crazy episode that we recorded. Um, we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite who done it, and the results are in. And last place was my pick, The Last of Shilo, at five percent. Um, if you can find it, please watch it. It's probably yeah. people just haven't seen the movie. It's it's that really exactly. fun. That just tells me that people haven't seen it. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. You know. Um Knives Out came in third place with eight percent. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Who I put that on because I was like, what should I put in that last spot? And I was like, I I can't ignore. We didn't talk about it a lot because we talked about it in another episode. But obviously, it's a great whodunit. And it came in a second place with 38%. And on top was Gavin's pick, Clue, at 47%. Um, There's really just not a a wrong answer. Uh, Toya, do you have a a favorite whodunit? I think I'll have to just pick like, like nostalgia choose for me, and it's got to be Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I also Last of Sheila is absolutely fantastic, but uh, but yeah, I can't I can't let go of the hold of Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it hits so hard. Like mm-hmm. it's still so very funny. It's shocking gentrification. Yeah, it's got so, it all, and, and so adult. I that yeah. always every time I see it, I'm like that baby's smoking a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood was crazy. <laughs> the bad influences that we had growing up, you know. I know. So true. Know. Um, uh, one other thing that I wanted to announce. Um, our Patreon friends um, participated in our Oscars game where we were um, guessing who would win the Oscar. Um, and I have the results. Um, it was back and forth as I was tallying up all the things. I was like, oh, this person missed this. Um, but here are the results. Um the winner is none other than Roy Mao. So congrats, Roy. Congrats, uh, Roy. That's amazing. Roy, I, missed, uh, Roy missed the two two acting categories, but then hit every below like <laughs> line. I was like, she knew who was going to get a short animated film. Um, I, so congrats, Roy. I'm the famous Oscars enemy on the pod. I didn't even watch because I know I can watch the next day on YouTube. Any, sure. any of the important stuff. Uh, but seriously, congratulations to Michelle Yeoh. We did an entire Michelle Yeoh <sighs> episode. Historic. I have said many times on the show, the Oscars don't matter until they do. Until they, they fucking mattered. do. Literally yeah. felt the exact same way. I was like, oh, I don't care. Because last year, uh, my friends and I stayed up. So like we at 4 a.m., <laughs> we all decided to watch the Oscars. Oh, my God. Paris time. So this year, I was like, I'm not doing it. I don't care. And then, of course, the next day, I'm like crying watching the highlights. I'm like, <laughs> yes. oh, my God, the Oscars are so special. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Kiki Kwan won the first um, award of the night. And I was already crying. 
Like, the, like he, right I off the bat, s- I was crying from his speech. It was just, oh, amazing. I, I am such a sucker that bo- both when Michelle Yeoh and the Daniels were like, this is for the moms. I was like, this is for the moms! <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so, Roy, we'll message you on uh, the Discord and we'll figure out um, your prize. Um, thank you, everyone, for playing. Um, and yeah, we'll do it again some other time. Um, but okay, enough with the old business. Uh, Toya, why, please uh, tell our, our listeners um, who you have brought here for us on this very good day to talk about. So today I brought none other than James Spader. Uh, this is actually a photo <laughs> that a friend of mine, Matthew Ownby, who uh, I used to work at TCM and we did TCM Slumberground. Uh, he is also one of the founding members. He got me this commissioned uh, right before I left. It's Amazing. this beautiful picture of Spader. I am just absolutely obsessed with this man. Uh, it started in the pandemic. So this is a- wow. Fairly, like I've, I've of course known of Spader my whole life. He's in and out of my life. He's one of those actors that when I see, when I've previously seen him in movies, I've always enjoyed him. But then I just kind of forget about him because he's not in a lot of movies actively. Um, and then in during the pandemic, I watched Jack's Back as like a random, like all right, let me just throw this on. And just having, I guess, two spaders for the price of one, like, did it for me. And <laughs> yeah. after that, I was just like, I need to see everything I can possibly see that he's done. So I've been cranking through his entire filmography. It's definitely slowed down because, of course, I moved to Paris and the book came out and I did uh, my master's last year. So a lot oh of my other God. movies. Yeah, it's been a crazy, it's you, been a crazy you year. You wrote a book and did your master's? I am, I I'm did. literally like, I don't know. I'm going to crash on the couch and eat some chips. Like, <laughs> um, I miss being able to do that. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that this yeah. is a fresh uh, obsession for you because we, I mean, I uh, similarly, like I've known of James Spader, but like to be able to dive really hard into the late 80s, early 90s, where mm-hmm. he was in a million movies, like, every year. Um, exactly. And, and so we are all on the same page. Gavin, what about you? Do you have, like, a, a uh, Well, I mean, I feel like James Spader has always been in in the ether. Like, I, we, we've, we like, tangentially covered Spader several different times. We did an Andrew McCarthy episode. Like, mm. he was involved in, you know, one of our Cameron Diaz movies. Like, we we've talked about him a lot, but I've actually been... I I feel like the most connection I've ever had to Spader was his TV work because I was a huge Boston Legal fan. I watched all Boston Legal when it was on. I remember watching the first couple seasons of The Blacklist. It kind of fell off because I was like, this is the same thing every week. uh, (laughs) My mom uh, loves the show. Yeah, and and I'm sure it's great. He's fantastic. Um, And funny enough, uh, but I was never like a big Spader head the thing I always associate with James Spader is there's a line in the pilot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I put in my email when I was emailing you, where it's like Cordelia's like she's quizzing Buffy on her coolness factor, and she just goes James Spader, and Buffy goes he has to call me, and it was ninety <laughs> seven, and I was like what? But I get it now. I get mm-hmm. it. I was like, 97 James Spader could call Ooh, me. That's peak. That's peak. <laughs> yes. that, that's what you put the, the Crash era of yeah. mm-hmm. too. Like, oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I saw Crash as a teen, and I, re-watching it, and we'll obviously talk about it later, but re-watching it, I was just like, what did I, th-? like, I loved it, and I loved mm-hmm. it now, too, but I was like, 
what was what did I think of this movie as a teen? And I just yeah. couldn't put myself in that place. So that that knows? takes a lot of brain work to get around that one. That one is not yeah. like a passive watch. That is no. a, exactly that's, that's a lean forward watch. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm so excited to jump into this. So why don't we get into our rewind? So I have the pleasure of doing the rewind this week, and boy, it's it's funny. Uh, I I guess it's not a doozy because he's really guarded. Um, he you know it, it, he doesn't talk about his uh, previous non acting life a lot, but when he does, mm-hmm. it's it's I feel like it's the same anecdotes just told in different ways I, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense but uh james todd spader was born february 7th 1960 so he's a cool 63 years old so he's still pretty young and uh he was born in boston and is the youngest of three children his parents gene and stoddard also known as todd which is where his middle name comes from spader were both teachers uh he has two older sis- sisters libby spader and annie spader and the way he talks about his upbringing is like very like they weren't people of means like he kind of I I got the implication that he lived on the campus that his parents taught at it was a, huh. a like a private school sort of and so they they like lived there he said super liberal upbringing like his mother was like never dressed he's kind of said <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> I've read that too, yeah, where yes. he's just like kind of grew up in almost a nudist type of environment. Yeah. Oh my god, and, uh, this is this is telling me so much about him right? and his fucking well, weird life. Just wait. <laughs> well, you know, we made believe a lot around the house. Uh, you know, and and um you know, I just did that a lot, you know. Uh I still do that. He I mean. said that like they would spend summers in this almost like him and his sisters like had their bedroom was like a converted chicken coop. So there was a lot of like space between the walls. And he's like, his sisters had boys over all the time and there just wasn't a lot of privacy. He said there were men and women throughout the house a lot. And funny enough. So I found an interview. uh, I found, (laughs) I found a Rolling Stone interview where they were like, James Spader is so bizarre. And then I found like a Playboy interview shortly thereafter where they were like, about that Rolling Stone interview. And he was like, yeah, well, like, whatever. But uh, in in the Rolling Stone interview, he mentioned that when there were people around the house a lot, uh, he was often the first to uh, offer to play doctor with them. And his exact quote was, our household was very comfortable with sexuality. There was just a lot of girls around and guys. Huh? I played doctor with both. Oh my god! But <laughs> the uh, the second interview I found n- near months later, uh, he his story changed a bit, and he's like, "Oh yeah, there were a lot of women around, and I was always the first to to be like, let's play doctor if you were a woman." That sounds like an agent <laughs> being right, like, right. "Don't you, don't you hint at bisexuality?" Right? They don't say you- we cannot have bisexuals in Hollywood. We can't <laughs> do it. Early life really you know i mean that's kind of it he said he was terrible at school um he attended many private schools including the pike school in andover where his mother taught art and he he eventually transferred to the phillips academy where he befriended uh john kennedy jr but because he was so bad at school he ends up dropping out and and from there at 17 he moves to new york 
and he like basically becomes a man of odd jobs. Uh, just a list of some of the odd jobs he took. They include bartending, teaching yoga. Uh, he drove a meat truck. He loaded railroad cards. He was a stable boy for horses in New York City. We have <laughs> This is all just sounding very pornographic. Yeah. <laughs> we, like, right? <laughs> it's like, name a porn job. And it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a meat <laughs> truck deliverer. I'm a stable boy. Like, um, my favorite <laughs> of all of these is private detective. <gasps> yeah. Who does it? Exactly. I did not know yes. that. That's fascinating. It's, and, uh... Yeah, it's so bonkers to be like private detective. Of course, actor. Of course, like, like I, I get it. Yeah. But that's uh, I grew up just a half hour north of Boston in a little town called North Andover. Anyway, uh, so I moved to New York, really to become a private detective. Then, you know, a few other things happened, and I worked. You know, ended up, you know, doing a series of dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of. Well, probably three to four dozen um, odd jobs, different odd jobs, manual labor jobs, and so on, and all the time uh, cultivating my, you know, career in a multitude of fantasy. You know, my career as a pirate or as a, you know, whatever mobster, uh, you know, private detective, uh, whatever the things were. But he said, you know, he he really wanted to do that as a career, and then he started taking some acting classes. But he said he literally only took one, like, from one teacher, not one acting class, but, like, he studied with one person, hmm. and when that person died, that was it. That's all of his acting training. There was a man uh, named Blair Cutting who taught at a studio here in town called the Michael Chekhov Studio. Yeah. Uh, Beatrice Strait, the actress... Uh, had helped form this studio with this ma man, Blair Cutting, and I studied with him on and off, uh, really for the fun of it more than anything else. He was great fun. He was a clown, and he was, it was really great fun. And I studied with him off and on until he died, and then that was the end of my studying. That explains just so much about Spader. <laughs> yeah, because his acting style is kind of singular. Like he has yes. like yes. Yeah. this mode that he's on. Um, even when he like does do like, because he has some character parts that he d does do, but it's still in the mode of like, he's a very lean forward actor. He's just like very like. Yes, it's a very personal like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 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 He he actually even has an anecdote about that uh, from one of the earlier seasons of the of the blacklist is when they shot the pilot and this is jumping way far ahead but we'll we'll come back when they shot the pilot he said the director had this huge argument with the producers about this one scene and they were like the director was like let's do it this scene full out it's like him and the the woman playing Elizabeth Keene and they he wanted both of them in the shot and the producers were like, no, it should be a close up of him. And they went back and forth. And finally, James Spader was like, why don't we make it an uncomfortable close up? Like, why don't we do it here? <laughs> like, just the face. <laughs> and he won. So like, he wow. and, and apparently that's like the, the like blacklist house style is because now. James Spader. Yeah. is like very <laughs> tight close ups. Um, <laughs> I love that. He's like, let's make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think is what he likes to do in his career. Like, how can I make people uncomfortable? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he does this small film called Teammates. I, th this, I, 
I counted it as having seen this movie. I've never seen this movie, but somebody put all of James Spader's scenes on YouTube. Thank you, whoever did that. <gasps> a stan, a stan. Yeah. Okay. And so I watched those two, three scenes that he's in, and I was just like, I've seen enough of this movie. <laughs> exactly. That's all you need. From what I hear, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, not only was it his first movie, it's Estelle Getty's first movie, and she's in one of those three scenes. So, wow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Estelle Getty. There's Love Sophia. Her. Iconic. Uh, uh, but his first major role is in the film Endless Love, the Franco Zeffirelli 1981 <sighs> romantic drama? <laughs> question mark. Uh, I don't know if either of you got to see this. I am. Um, yeah, uh, I have. Let's let's talk a little endless love because I do, do think it. I think he's good in it, but like I think he's good in it, and I think he's beautiful. I mean, that, yes. that's a lot of his movies, especially those like early '80s ones, where he, you know, he's he's acting, he's doing what he just kind of needs to do, but he's just so gorgeous in that time period with the hair, the and hair, just how soft, <laughs> that hair is just a whole nother level, and it was just so perfect for that time. Uh, and endless love is such a weird weird movie but it's one that I kind of go back to a lot just kind of have on in the background I think it's just because of how it's shot and how sensual it is it's just one of those movies that's just like I don't know it feels nice to just kind of wash over you but then it's also really really bad in a a lot of ways (laughs) well so the the plot is literally it's a love story between uh brooke shields who plays his younger sister and uh, her boyfriend at the time who and uh forgive me i can't think of the actor's name i thought he was beautiful and then found out that he basically retired from acting after that and i was like oh oh hewitt Martin Hewitt. Yeah, I was like, I was like, he could have had a career. I mean, I don't yeah. think he's amazing in the movie, but I was just like, he's got Gorge. it. Yeah. It's, it mm-hmm. also features uh, Tom Cruise in one scene. It was Tom Cruise's mm-hmm. first movie as well. Wow. Um, talk, talking him about burning his, buildings. Him and his cut off shorts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it's about a, a like a doomed love affair between Brooke Shields and this man, and they're both fourteen, and it's like a a very liberal parentage where the, the dad doesn't want him sleeping over the mom's kind of living vicariously through her daughter with this man because she's not really in love with her husband and uh, yeah it, it's shots like franco zeffirelli it's shot so sensitively like apparently mm-hmm. by all accounts kind of creepy like was was literally off screen pitching pinching brooke shields to make uh, her like more orgasmic looking during wow. the sex scenes. <laughs> yeah, not not cool. Um, Art is not more important than people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Zeffirelli did Romeo and Juliet, which yes. is why it has this sheen to it, the this 1968 version, which you know, also two young actors at the time that's, yeah. you know, in, in these very kind of sexual uh like being captured very sexually on screen. So again, you know, just pre two thousand what fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the world was weird. <laughs> it, it's so funny that you bring up Romeo and Juliet, the sixty eight version, because mm-hmm. I think most people know that from eighth grade English class, where the teacher mm-hmm. wheels out a TV and is like, "Okay, there's going to be some nudity." <laughs> Not laugh, <laughs> but it's Shakespearean. Very, it's Shakespearean, exactly. I'm very lucky that I, I had a very hip teacher, so we we oh, had good. the the Baz Luhrmann version. Uh, not the 68 we watched clips they were like this Ah, isn't um this isn't a traditional way of doing it faithful enough (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh not not to shit on my schooling too much but (laughs) but yeah 
Yeah, but but it, I will say b- before we move off it, um, just because I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's not a huge role. I will say there's definitely like shades of the future. Like my favorite scene that he has is he takes her sister's boyfriend out hunting, I believe, mm. and the, he's like trying to is her boyfriend's trying to talk to James Spader, and finally James Spader is just like. You know, just because you're fucking my sister doesn't mean you're yeah. family. And I was like, <laughs> such a great part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's James Spader. My grandfather built that place. And Pappy let it go. I'm going to rebuild the whole thing one of these days. Yeah. That's a great idea. You're good at doing stuff like that. I'll help you, okay? We'll come up here on weekends. And Jade would love it. Imagine getting up in the morning with a lake right there. I mean, of course, this is a place for the whole family. Just because you're fucking my sister doesn't make you part of the family. Everybody talks about his his big blow up with Sex, Lies, and Videotapes, but there's so many movies before that. Yes. I mean, in, in 86, he plays Steph in Pretty in Pink. We talked mm-hmm. about Pretty in Pink in our Andrew McCarthy episode. I love this performance. And it's so Me funny too. because every time I see this movie, I'm like... Does his character actually even need to exist? <laughs> not Maybe at all. Not. But no. I'm so glad he's there. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. He adds such a an, an interesting dynamic to the to the overall story and just to uh Molly Ringwald's character and just to the school in general. Like, who is this old guy who still <laughs> yes. goes to this school who's smoking cigarettes inside? Like, what yeah. is this? It's such a fascinating, weird, weird character to have, but it works. Well, for like, I think his in these movies like Pretty in Pink and even Mannequin, it, he captured um, the aesthetic of just like asshole bro guy of the mm-hmm. 80s yeah. so well. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, give him a popped collar and like <laughs> the hair will do the rest. And but, like, but it's so funny because those characters are so different and yet both very James Spader because Mannequin, he's like... The hair is slicked and it's like the thick rim glasses yeah. and he's kind of like the the nerdy business guy. But there is still a Steph quality to him. There's something alluring about mm. him that like, even though it is this very comedic, like, well, that woman's a mannequin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, th- the thing that I always think about the most about Pretty in Pink, especially from doing an Andrew McCarthy episode, and I think this sort of defines him outside of the movie world, was that... When Andrew McCarthy was on set, he was treated really like it was like him and Molly Ringwald were friends. And then um, John Cryer was like excised, but because they're both like he's nerdy. And John Cryer has said that the only person that was nice to him on the set was James Spader. And and like, I think that says so much about who James Spader actually is versus the screen Mm -hmm. persona, because he was like, None of this is real. <laughs> like you're not <laughs> exactly. a nerd. And, and Spader has said, you know, he doesn't like to go out. He's not. He's like a very particular person. He is self-diagnosed OCD. I don't know if he's actually ever mm-hmm. been diagnosed. Um, so he says he likes to. You know, it's very helpful on an acting set for him because he likes to get things right. But like in his personal life, it's not as great. He's also a bit germaphobic, and he doesn't like to go out. And so it, while you know, like Andrew McCarthy and and Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe and, mm. and to a lesser extent, like Robert Downey Jr. And they're getting this reputation for the Brat Pack. The thing I think is most interesting, and you actually said it, Toya, 
that he looked older. Mm-hmm. And he said he has no idea why people kept casting him as a teenager <laughs> because <laughs> because he d- does like I I watched, you know, Tough Turf, which was one of his big yeah. first leads and he he looks moderately more teenaged in that movie, but then mm-hmm. I also watched The New Kids and I was like this man is 40. <laughs> <laughs> He's a full grown adult like abusing these children. Yeah, He's a menacing <laughs> menacing future con Lori yeah. Laughlin. You know, I come in here and act decent and you don't you turn me down. Well, I don't fucking believe that. You're crazy. Crazy? You want crazy? Well, I'll show you crazy. I love in Tough Turf, um, co-starring Kim Richards, Real Housewife. Yes. Um, they're like really tough, but then they also have like a dance break. Yeah, um, several. <laughs> I was like, okay, this movie is kind of iconic. It's bad, but it's yeah, very it's so bad. But that's a yeah, that's a wild one as well. Tough, <laughs> tough turf. I liked because it it had, and once again, it's bad. But um, but uh, it has the energy of like there. There's like a specific moment where people were like kind of musicals, but kind of not, and so it has that yes. like Streets of Fire, <laughs> Grease two quality, but it yes. can never attain. <laughs> The level that either yes. of those movies has. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really bummed to find out that he was dubbed for the singing because he likes it. The, yeah. That, that part, I uh, that is one of the few movies and I'm big on Letterboxd. So I have a bunch of random lists. And one of the <laughs> lists that I have is movies that have a, a scene that's so cringe. It like made me yes. physically react. It's so cringe. Him at this piano uh, with this dub. It's too, oh, and, I, and what makes it worse is the song is literally like two thirds <laughs> chorus it's literally <laughs> him just like we own the night or like we yeah, like, yeah. just over it over and it, the camera just keeps getting closer to him and it's like i got it it's like what are we meanwhile doing? like his girlfriend is like talking to the the preppies about <laughs> anal sex or something yes like. <laughs> yeah it's a tough turf man you know what yeah i recommend seeing it's it. a good time it's a good it's time fun. it's fun i mean it's you know and this it's this weird remake it's trying to be this remake of rebel without a cause yeah and so when i and i didn't know that but when i was first watching it i was just like what are they is this rebel without a cause is this did you also, story? did you also clock at the end it's giving full West Side Story. She grabs the gun yeah. and is like, how many bullets are left? Enough for you, enough for me. I was like, uh, Maria. It's just stealing all these other parts. And then it's just, it, and it just escalates to this weird part in the end where I'm just like, imagine being in high school and being like, yeah, yeah a guy got shot over the yes. weekend. And, like, that, and, that's, and that's what's crazy about it is like the, the extreme, because it does like, uh, you know, I don't want to say who gets shot, but but like yeah. the the people that get shot too. I was just like, did that just happen? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like a um, dare special episode or something. It feels like it a very very long dare episode for sure. Yeah. Or just or don't date from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, whatever right. the, the lesson would be. Come on, Just when I thought we were going to be good friends, huh? Well, come on, come on. something wrong with this guy what's wrong with you i said just ice your ass right now yeah yeah why because i danced with one of your boyfriends (laughs) (laughs) that's some funny stuff that's one of the few times that he's the the like good guy right Mm -hmm. and and i think the a good dark reflection of that is less than zero which is once again a movie we've talked about before literally like half of these 
early 80s movies are with Andrew McCarthy. So we have talked about him before. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I do just want to bring it up briefly because I didn't rewatch it for this. But the thing is both Spader and Robert Downey Jr., who are not really the leads, I mean, they're like secondary leads, have the better part. Definitely. <laughs> and and Definitely. Andrew McCarthy has this like straight man part. And, yeah. and Spader yeah. is a drug dealer who's essentially blackmail well not blackmailing like robert downey jr owes him money uh but he's holding it over him for sexual favors yeah he's like a pimp yes yeah the the pimp and then a drug dealer and he's like yeah just graduated high school like what is (laughs) california (laughs) you know it's good work if you can get it i guess (laughs) (laughs) exactly no, I rewatched it recently and it's a phenomenon. It, it, it holds up because of Spader and Robert Downey Jr. Those two are absolutely incredible in it. Yeah, I, I, when I watched I it, I was, I was like really taken by, I was like, the 80s were really hurting people. People were making yeah. art that was full of like <laughs> crazy, aggressive, Definitely. Uh, very just like weighty stuff. Um, but yeah, this this era of Spader's career is just like firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. and it's funny because he he has said in interviews out of everything the the movie he gets asked the most about besides sex lies is wall street and i uh-huh. did i did not rewatch wall street for this because he's in three scenes no no i didn't watch it either yeah <laughs> like, I've, I've seen it before he's a lawyer he's fine but i'm always like wall street yeah wall we street? watched that for our michael douglas episode and that makes sense because michael douglas is in mm-hmm. a lot of the scenes yes absolutely uh but really around the aforementioned really around the time so he's been an actor for a decade but his big breakthrough comes in 1989 sex lies and videotape um he plays a voyeur uh, who k- kind of sweeps into the lives of this unhappily married couple. Uh, the husband is cheating on his wife with a phenomenal Laura San Giancomo, who I love and always think of as like sitcom star, even though she's right. so much more than that. Um, yeah, this, I think, I mean, Steven Soderbergh directed it. I think he sort of said it best by he he like took a contemporary relook at it. And I think it's a great movie. I don't get me wrong, but he's like, I don't think I had a lot to say. And I think that says a lot mm. about the 80s, about how people because the film was so popular that people were just wanting for anything right. that, you know, it, and I think that's an interesting thing, because I do think that in a contemporary sense, sex lesson videotape doesn't really amount to much. I don't right. know. And I could be wrong. I mean, if you either of you feel differently, feel free to. Well, what I like about it is that like in the world that they're in, in like 89, you know, a lot of movies from that era, even the movies that Spader is in, sex is so gratuitous and kind of meaningless and forward and like, you know, cheap. And in the movie even shows us, you know, the sister is fucking her sister's husband. Like and it's very yeah. like there's a lot of graphic stuff. And then for his character and I would say like, it. It felt like the movie was trying to make a point of, like, sometimes, like, the space and the just the, the words is a lot sexier. And there's there's power and sex in the restraint of just, like, tell me what you like. And that is hot, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so, and so I think for me watching it even now, it's like, you know, wow, to feel sexy, to look sexy to feel sexy uh, uh, without being like, you know, really aggressive and nasty about it. Like it, the, there is something there. And I wonder if like, you know, because there were, people were 
drowning in tits in this era. Like, you know, just <laughs> drowning in it. Every movie that wanted to be edgy was like, you know, tits and ass yeah. and fucking. This movie is like, and he's literally, he literally says, I'm, I'm impotent. I, I can't, mm, you know, have sex. Yeah. Um, the only way is by interviewing women. And he's like, he's not fucking them. He's not, he's just watching the videotapes of them talking about what they like sexually, which I thought was really interesting. What are the interviews about? The interviews are about sex. Sex? What about sex? Uh, everything about sex. I agree with that because I definitely uh, I, I I also feel that like it's not necessarily a compelling movie. There's not much in it that's happening. There's not much to it, but just something about Soderbergh's pacing and just how the movie kind of goes along. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a fun. It's a, it, it not I don't want to say fun. I enjoy it to watch it for that reason. But I do think that what makes it so compelling is the le- the the sexual restraint that there's so much talk about sex without actually having sex or seeing people naked and I, I just remember the the scene that when I first and I watched this of course when I was way too young and so kind of like, <laughs> oh, how you were mentioning I mean I'm sorry Gavin how you were mentioning earlier of how you know you're interested to see where your head was when you watch Crash similar for me and uh, with Crash and Sex Lies and Videotape I was so young I didn't you know understand movies or dissecting films I was just like oh this supposedly has sex and it has right. sex in the title what is, ooh. yeah yeah, yeah. So, very that <laughs> exactly so it's like i don't remember what i initially thought about it but now you know watching it as an adult there is something very sexual about this movie and very erotic in just how these people interact and the scene where he's watching the the tapes and it's just i think it's like a very quick scene but he's naked and of course you don't even see anything you just see like right just kind of his legs up and he's kind of blocked very well where there's no, no, nothing being shown, but it's so sexy. It's such a gorgeous scene. So it's those types of things. I think that's what I really enjoy about that movie overall. It's and, funny, Gavin, aren't you a Soderbergh stan? Oh yeah. And I really like the movie. I don't, I don't mean to take away. I just think like the 2023 experience versus the 1989 sure. experience is is a very different. So I I do kind of agree with him a little bit, but I I would wholly recommend seeing the movie. It's funny that you said it's fun and then sort of backtracked. I actually do think it's fun, um, but <laughs> I, but it, but it is sort of you don't realize what the movie is doing to you until or, or for me especially when I was watching it the when. Laura Sangina Como like goes and gets her tape done by him. Mm-hmm. And there's the flashback to what it was like. And when he lays down and she lays down, like she like mimics him, but she's on the couch just talking to him. That was so sexy to me. Yeah. And nothing is happening. And not like she's literally just talking about. And I was just like, why? Like it's well, so well done because mm-hmm. it's it's almost like foreplay. Right. Like, it's the yeah. power of consent. It's the power yeah. of her feeling safe. She feels she like she asks him, like, do you want to fuck? And he's like, No. No. Yeah. And, and so yeah. she's feels safe and un- she, like, I mean, and that's the, what's very sexy is when you could feel like you can let your guard down in front of someone, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that connection. So uh interesting movie for sure. I'd never seen it yeah. before. Yeah. Oh wow. That's I mean, I much like Toya, I had also seen it at a very young, wrong age. But, <laughs> but that's that's how it works. I do want to, yeah. uh, just because you'd mentioned it just a, a little bit before, I do yeah. want to mention that the year before was Jack's Back. And I, I would actually like to talk about Jack's Back because yeah. I think Jack's Back is uh, a good 
um, bridging point because he's able to play both good Spader and bad mm-hmm. Spader in that movie. Um, <laughs> Jack's Back is a, a movie about a, a Jack the Ripper copycat doctor in 1988 in, is it California or is it San Francisco? I mean, was it San Francisco or LA? I, I think couldn't it's tell. San Fran. I can't I think remember. I San Fran yeah, as well, too. And uh, he, the, while this is happening, there's a young, up and coming, like good doctor who works at the clinic and wants to help the houseless people. And he's on the news talking. Actually, I was like, this is still happening. Yeah. Right. I would, but the way, the, like, he does this interview where he's basically like, like homelessness is not the problem is not that we need to like hide these people from sight it's we need to get them in houses and i was just like wow 88 2023 um (laughs) we've 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 known the answer to this all along yeah yeah. (laughs) nobody's done anything um and uh he's this young stalwart doctor who uh, mistakenly stumbles on who he thinks is the killer gets murdered and his twin the bad James Spader <laughs> uh-huh. rolls into town because he's now having psychic visions of the death of his brother wearing a leather jacket. He's going to hunt down the Jack the Ripper killer. Well, funny enough, he's not actually going to hunt down the Jack the Ripper killer. He's just interested in the man that killed his brother, which may or may not right. be the same person. Mm-hmm. It's very I Know Who Killed Me starring Lindsay yes, Lohan. Oh my God! <laughs> it it's very. Totally in this movie, they tell you they're twins. I will say, at first, I was like, oh, did he wake up from a dream? I did, It took me a little yeah. bit to yeah. realize yeah. there is actually two of them. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. did like how they played with that because that's what I thought too. Uh, and I was like, whoa, how did he get hotter? Like, what, yeah. is, he, what is he doing after this dream? What is, who, and then it's like, oh, this is his brother? Okay. His bad boy brother. His bad boy twin. I also I, love the premise of this movie really <laughs> relies on like, yeah, I, I noticed the trend. They're copying exactly what Jack the Ripper did. <laughs> who, yeah. is, who, who is referencing? But like, also like, but the reverse of that, I was like, it took four of these victims before you realized. <laughs> like, it just feels like a, 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 <laughs> the headlines of the newspapers they show us is very like the Jack the Ripper. I was like, someone in the eighties was like, Jack the Ripper is really hot right now. He's really in. Like, what have you brought him back? It's the hundredth year anniversary, right? Is that right. Like, that's the whole oh, thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yes. the century. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> like, everybody's selling the Jacks, celebrating the Jacks back centennial. You know how it goes. <laughs> I do want to move on from there, but I just I thought that that was a. a a thing that we should talk about. That's um, a fun watch too. And James Spader, for some reason, his fingernails are consistently dirty in this yeah. movie, and it drives me insane. It's, it's how you know he's bad. That's, That's how you a know bad he's a bad boy. Guy. He cannot wash his hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sir, you have witnessed a murder. Wash your hands. Um, speaking of bad, um, I mean, bad influence yes. just really again. Uh, the, the, the well, late eighties, early nineties were just so yeah. stupid. <laughs> I, I think ni- I honestly think nineteen ninety is like for everybody was noticing him for eighty nine's uh, Sex Lies and Videotape, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he wins uh, Best Actor at Con for that, and it, I think you know he he's getting these notices, and I think ninety is like what solidifies James Spader though, because in ninety he stars in both. Bad Influence and White Palace and Bad Influence is like psychosexual thriller. It's like it like it's basically like bro version of single white female. Like he meets it yes. he meets a guy and that guy's like you need to be tougher. And by being tougher I mean 
fucking up your life and killing people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Robin like, are, you a, are you an alpha or not? Yeah. <laughs> that is a that's so interesting too. I do I, I would be interested to rewatch that from that perspective, from the alpha beta situation. Yes. Cause that oh, is yeah. yeah, that is totally He's like, what are it you is. gonna let this person fuck up your life or are you gonna that's take that's so like true. Relax. <laughs> relax. Yeah. relax Rob Lowe <laughs> Rob Lowe calm down um, but then also White Palace White Palace is yes. a movie funny enough I watched and I did not rewatch for this but I remember actually really liking it um, but uh, it's a film I watched for Kathy Bates who's not mm. in it that much she played yeah, I yeah, she, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, I think her scenes got cut right like later it, I think uh, a oh, lot yeah. of her scenes she, got uh, cut oh yeah she's like I, I want to say like three scenes, but yeah, she had a much bigger role in the film. Yeah. She was, she's his boss. Yes. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it's a film about a, a like white collar yuppie who meets a volatile. So he's lost his wife at a very young age and he meets a volatile waitress played by Susan Sarandon. Who's working at the white palace that sells mini hamburgers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> there, and, and anybody know of any other white palaces? Mm, no. Ring, kind um, of rings a bell, maybe. I just think it's so funny that that's the title they went with. Like, really? Named it is after... weird. It's a weird <laughs> title. Especially, like, going into it, I didn't know what the movie was going to be about. But it really is just, like, story about, like, class and, yeah. like, yeah. grief and loss. Um it's very like rom commy, but like with a heavy, heavy yeah. heart. Yeah. The, the final scene is maybe too rom commy for yes. what this movie. I, did. Yeah, I don't. Agreed. I don't. I don't want to like spoil it for anybody. But I was just like, what is that's this exa- ending? That's exactly what agreed. I was. Especially for like this woman who, you know, she's also grieving the loss of her mm-hmm. son. Yeah. And so they connect over this trauma, but then she's like, you're embarrassed by me. And, and he's like, yeah. no, I'm not. And, and they have this like culture clash and she's very like uh, financially insecure. Meanwhile, he's like paying twelve fifty for his studio apartment. And that's <laughs> crazy. Um, Her sister's but, played by Miss Peacock. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God, I forgot. A lot of these movies, they have like a little like a mystical, you know, she's like, oh, oh yes. Yeah, that's she, right. she, she's yeah, a psychic. Yeah. She can like see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but but I do like the the sexual chemistry that him and Susan Sarandon have, definitely. and I guess the movie took a lot of knocks when it came out because he was in his twenties and she was in her forties. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know, we don't get that enough. <laughs> yeah, but that's hot. I would say she's hot. She looks great. She's <laughs> gorgeous in it, and I think yeah, both of them have such good chemistry, and it's such a a beautiful romantic. Like I I like it as the romantic drama angle, and it definitely has yeah. its like funny like kind of like cute kitschy parts. Uh, but I, you know, we don't, they don't make movies like that anymore. No, just about two people who are just trying to come together and trying to develop a relationship. But what do you do when you have these built up walls and built up traumas that you kind of can't break down? And so it's just, you know, about the building of this relationship and kind of how that operates. And it's just, yeah, that's not something that we see anymore and not not something that is just as, as sexually uh, aware of itself as White Palace is. Yeah. It, it's it's funny the scene that has always stuck with me speaking of those like built up walls and it seems so silly but there's a a part where he gifts her like a hand vacuum mm-hmm. and she is pissed and yes. I get it yeah exactly yeah you don't want somebody telling you that your stuff is dirty and that your house is dirty and you need to clean but it's like yeah and that like that what a a, what an interesting moment like a character development and like this relationship development to show just by this one piece of you know prop i I think that that's such a cool way of showing this 
like the, these these stemming issues between these two characters. There's a lot of truly underrated movie. I mean, I, yeah. I I really really enjoy that movie a lot. I think it's so beautiful. You brought me cleaning equipment. Well, I mean, I didn't bring you Brillo. I just, I mean, it's a real thing. You bring me flowers, you bring me Jello, but you don't bring me cleaning equipment. Nora, you're overreacting. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I just, you know, you have ring dings under your furniture. I don't care what's under my furniture. This is where I live. I'll clean up when I want to. You don't like my ring dings, tough shit. The movie is not black and white. You know, Mm -hmm. it's everything cuts both ways. They're both grieving. They both have their prejudices. They both are, uh, you know, trying to find their way. And yeah, horrible name of a movie, but good movie. Good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. I mean, there's a there's a bunch. There's like a mix of stuff. This is sort of his political era. He's in both True Colors and Bob Roberts. uh, Barely in Bob Roberts. Bob Roberts was like a favor. Yeah, he's in it for four minutes. It's it's, (laughs) four minutes. It's funny because that movie was directed by Tim Robbins, and he said when he was trying to get it made, he like contacted every celebrity friend he knows, and everybody came back with "I want to play a newscaster." And I just think it's so funny that James Spader was one of the ones that won out. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I get to play the newscaster. Um, but, uh, I, you know, True Colors is an interesting movie, him and John Cusack. I think it's so funny that the, it it's about two guys who are friends in college. And it's another class struggle movie. James Spader's from mm-hmm. Upper Crust. Uh, John Cusack is from Lower the lower class, but also like willing to do whatever he can to get ahead. I think the movie is trying to be like, aren't the politics of the eighties crazy when really it should be like, isn't John Cusack fucking crazy. (laughs) Like the the movie doesn't take enough judgment on him. I was like, no, I like he's, there's something wrong with him. (laughs) Right. That is a psychopath. I I like the movie in general. I do not like that. They made like the guy who's struggling to break out of his class that he's a bad person. Yes. <laughs> I, was yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, I don't like that. But I, I do also, the one thing else about True Colors is I love the way that like white rich people <laughs> fight. So they like ski fight. Yes. Like, they, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the white rich people are, I don't, I don't yeah. get it. They're yeah. like, let's fucking, you, fuck you. And then go run down a fucking mountain. <laughs> what? <laughs> we also get a, um, a Mandy Patinkin moment and yes. he will come back in the next yeah, year for the music yeah. of chance. I, I, I'm glad that you brought up Music of Chance because I feel like it's a movie most people haven't seen. I yeah. loved the Music of Chance. Uh, I don't think there's a, a lot of... Um, it's based on an absurdist novel. And I don't mm. think a lot of people would go this far in making an absurdist movie. Do I love everything James Spader is doing in the movie? His accent, mm. it's a little shaky-quaky, whatever he's doing. <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. But I love that it's this movie where Mandy Patinkin literally finds... James Spader on the side of the road, beaten up and bloody. This man enters his life. He's like, I, a great poker player. I'm going to win this poker game against these two eccentric rich guys. Uh, Beautifully played by Joel Gray. And uh, I can't think of the other actor's name at the moment. But, and then these rich guys win this poker game and basically enslave him and Mandy Patinkin. (laughs) And and Mandy Patinkin is like almost a non-character for half of the movie and then becomes a very like becomes the focal point right manny patinkin the hottest person at the time there's full (laughs) scenes where he's just walking around in boxer shorts and i'm like my brain (laughs) i don't you're like should i be looking at this (laughs) i've heard he's not nice but maybe he doesn't have to be um (laughs) (laughs) Um, but absurdist is a very good it it, it is an absurd movie but it's also 
Bitch, the way this movie got me thinking about life is just fucking, you, we are enslaved to capitalism, we are enslaved to our debts, like, life, we are slaves to life, like, it's just, and, and the whole idea of, like, these rich guys who, are they gay? What the fuck is going on? Right. I know, I was very <laughs> oh, confused oh. about that too, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, how, co- how could they be gay? They're, both their wives are dead, Louis. Right? <laughs> but, like, the idea, like... I think for a lot of people in poverty or working class, there are no rules. There is no um, staircase that leads yeah. to success. And this movie, literally, these fucking rich fucks just make shit up as they go. They mm-hmm. never see them again. You know who you fucking see? Middle management. Middle management. You, you see yeah. the fucking other white guy who is telling him, well, boss said this. And it's like, this movie had my skin crawling about like, yes, capitalism and work. Mm. And ugh, it's, 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 a, it's a crazy movie. It but truly that's what... is. That's a great point. Cause I, when I first watched it and I didn't rewatch it for this, but when I first watched it, um, I, I hated it. I mean, I, I kind of hate just because it's absurdist. It's so, outwardly weird and it does things that i just was not expecting i was like what the fuck is this movie what am i watching yeah Yeah. elements of it that i really liked but as a whole i didn't but now like you know talking about it from that perspective that is very true there are all these elements there that i i likely just missed the first time so yeah and and honestly i think as an initial reaction hating it is perfectly fine (laughs) because like i did spend the first hour like it's like an hour and a half and i think i spent the first hour being like what am I to get out of this? Right, what's going and on? Then, and then, but I, I think that's the whole point of, you know, it's it's almost like great theater and it doesn't happen enough mm. on film where it's like, it's it's like interested in like laying its themes bare and just being mm-hmm. like, and now you have to do the work, which like isn't always fun. But yeah. I, I, I ended up liking this a lot. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I had to think about it for a while too. So I think that's a perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Look, it's less than two months. No big deal. We might even have some fun. Fun? You call lifting 10,000 stones fun? Can't kill us. Not 50 days of it. I'm telling you, it's a mistake to trust these sons of bitches. Maybe you're right. Maybe you should go now. I'm the one who got us into this mess. You'd stay here and do it alone? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're crazy, aren't you? I would say, like, after that is... It's a very short-lived blockbuster era. You get 94, you get Wolf, Stargate, and 93, you get Dream Lover, which I think is a lesser extent. But Dream Lover was his foray into erotic thriller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the first movie I watched for this, and I was like, really? huh. Yeah. I, I feel bad because I really like Machinamic. And I was just like, what is what is going on? Um, <laughs> a movie where she's a psychopath who has Psycho. decided to to pick out a rich man and lie about her entire life and yeah. marry him. And <laughs> You uh, forgot one thing. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> I was like, so her plan is like, I guess some people have a five-year plan and she has like really like a 10-year plan. <laughs> like, right, also, th- right. This movie also just depends on... The idea that radical in 93, I would say, um, that police believe women, that yes. um, institutions mm-hmm. believe women um, mm-hmm. over a successful white man. Yeah. She's like, he did hit me. He's insane. And they're like, you're right. You're, you're right. Like, All right. Arrest him. Get him out of yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Lock <laughs> him up. 
<laughs> Toya, actually, funny enough, I saw uh, your co-author, Millie DeTurco's, uh, um, her review on Letterboxd, and it, I 100% agreed with it. It was like, I'm I'm really bored of these erotic thrillers in which uh, a a woman drives a man crazy enough that he hits her. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely. was like, yep. Yeah, yeah that's it. Definitely. Uh, um, and it, and <sighs> I, it pains me because I really liked both of them in this movie, but mm-hmm. I hated the movie. So, yeah, and I, so two things about that. I will say one of my other favorite, because I do think Millie, like, it was spot on with it. And one of my other favorite reviews that I saw on Letterboxd, uh, it says, this uh, this felt like if men's rights activists started their own lifetime movie network, if that makes sense. One thousand percent agree. Yes! But oh my God. on that note, obviously I'm a trash feminist, like, because <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really it's so wild but it's like I love movies about a psychotic person as like terrible as it is I love an (laughs) obsession movie or somebody that just my job here is to just completely fuck up your life I have no Mm -hmm. plan I have no whatever but I'm just gonna fuck it up and two hot people like involved in this like they're so hot and there's a lot of like I love just the sex scenes between them and how sensual it is but and, and Spader's hair is very weird in this you can tell this is when he started to get plugs he started to make a little bit of money where he's in some plug action going on but it's the dumbest weirdest movie but i just have a ball watching this it's like a get stoned eat some popcorn yell at the tv like it's so much fun for me it is certainly an easy watch, I will yes, say. Very it was, easy. That's a perfect way to say it. It yeah. goes down quite smooth. But it's, it's just like it was written in reverse. Like someone had the idea, like, well, yes. if you're if you're declared criminally insane, you can kill someone and then like <laughs> bye. Like and and then they were like, that we'll start from there. We'll start from That's there. That's so and true. Go. And then they just work their way backwards. Okay, now how do you get to this point? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it it bums me out and and like no shade to working on TV because it's where James Spader is now. But like Anytime I watched the first couple seasons of Riverdale, and anytime Madge and Admick showed up, I was like, "Oh, this is where you are." Like, I wanted someone um, like, and, and watching this movie, I was like, "She just wasn't given a fair shake." I do think she's very good, yeah, and, yeah. and like she could have had an entire. But you know, we really did cast aside our erotic thriller actresses. Like, if you, yeah, you know, well, they were all trying, you know, going for the Sharon Stone fight right. for like Definitely. that was the lane, and like it is littered with gorgeous, talented women who were in shitty, shitty movies. At noon, I was out on site. I called back all afternoon. I had this fantasy of coming to your office and screwing your brains out on top of your desk. I guess the fantasy was misplaced. When you weren't there, I went to my shrinks and then I went to Debbie's. If you don't believe me, call Debbie. Speaking of Pfeiffer, uh, Wolf, um, mm-hmm. we talked about Wolf in our Pfeiffer episode. Um, I did not rewatch it for this, but I will say, I think he's perfect casting for yeah. this as the like young Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Like the, I mean, he's not playing young Jack Nicholson, but he is like. As I said in the Pfeiffer episode, it's crazy that this is a werewolf movie literally about, like, corporate stakes. Like, <laughs> literally, it's like, James Spader's gonna come take your job, and also your werewolfness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he is, uh, and and maybe it's the, the, the danger factor, maybe it's the, you know, he is so hot when he has those contacts in, and he's, like, Oof. sniffing Michelle Pfeiffer, Oof. and, like... <laughs> 
Those last 20 minutes make the yes. entire movie worth it for me. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he, he does give the same energy of Jack Nicholson of just like alpha man. Just like, yeah. you know, yeah. straight masculine, like can wear the fuck out of a suit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but also tear through that suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do a little claw exactly. action. <laughs> um, I, I like that. Yeah, I like where this is going. Um, and, and then Stargate. Um, Stargate is a movie that James Spader has talked about several times in interviews, sometimes saying, I didn't want to do it because the script was bad, but then I met Roland Emmerich and I was enchanted by him. And sometimes saying, I didn't want to do it because the script was bad, but I needed the money. <laughs> I don't think James Spader's ever said a kind word about Stargate. <laughs> that's that's gonna be a boot yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah totally totally get it not not I, my type of movie at at all but you know again it's the hair it's the glasses yeah. it works for him in that movie for sure i have a i have a sidebar on that one it's uh just that i have not seen disney's atlantis the lost empire in a long time mm. but was his character design was the main character designed to just look like james spader and <laughs> stargate does look like him doesn't <laughs> it's he? just like was he their original choice and then they were like uh let's go with michael j fox he's less threatening of a voice actor yeah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. um and then you know uh I mean, Crash is the next movie. Is ninety six? Yeah. There's like a two year gap. He, I don't know. He course corrects. Yeah, <laughs> and um, Crash is uh, the David Cronenberg Crash. I should specify. Uh, Crash is a movie based on a JG JG Ballard book about people who are stimulated sexually by the idea of crashing cars, and that's. I mean, there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no other way to talk about. I mean. Yeah, you could go deeper and be like, it's a postmodern metafiction about how we're replacing sexuality with machines. And but I mean, it's literally about no. people who get horny for crashing things. And yeah, um, he's and I do so think good. too with the like, if you want to go, you know, and get master's level type of thing on it of just these all these people that the trauma that they've endured for something how they are all trying to heal from that in a by just fucking like just yeah then let's watch other people you know have trauma and then okay that's hot now let's fuck and i just love how sexually fluid this movie is i'm yeah. just like anything goes there's all this you know he's a married man in a very kind of open polyamorous relationship but then him and uh elias cody kind of hook up in the end like he hooks up with everybody in this movie and just everybody gets off on this weird little like circle <laughs> that they're all in that they're just like all right car crashes this works for us let's do it and it's so funny because cronenberg has said that you know the for all of the the stuff that's in the movie for all because uh, the movie's funny enough not um graphic in the sense that like it's violent i mean vi yeah. no it is violent it's just none of the like there's it's not a lot of blood in, yeah. in all honesty there's blood but it's not like a lot of the and i've seen papers written about how like this the scar like it's more about scars mm -hmm. and the things we do to our bodies than it is necessarily about but uh he said the thing that people walk out the most of is the sex scene between james spader and elias cody is and wow. he said I, he says i get shit from people that it's too gay and i get shit from people that it's not gay enough and to the people who say it's not gay enough that's the first actual kiss in the movie He's yeah. like, what more do you want? <laughs> like the, the kiss between James Spader and Elias Cody is 
Um, oh, he's interesting. Like, I didn't even realize that. You're right. That is the first yeah. like kiss. You're seeing him like, cause I was like, no, he's eating out a woman's ass at first. But right. I'm like, oh, no, but, no, no, but he. <laughs> right. That's mouth to something else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, yeah, 100%. Wow. And like, I didn't, I didn't think about that till I read that too. Yeah. I was like, it truly is. And the funny thing is, is like the next kiss in the movie is, uh, Rosanna Arquette and Holly Hunter. So like oh, the true, both true. like yeah, actual yeah. kisses in the movie are queer, um, which is not to say that like, sure. I don't know. I think I, autoerotica is, <laughs> who knows? Perhaps. But, <laughs> perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's just a really fascinating movie. It's also like holds its audience at an arm's length, which I think mm-hmm. is almost necessary. I think that's like the key to making that movie successful. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it is so erotic and is so about bodies and also not bodies, um, but like kind of creates a distancing. Uh, well, maybe we'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, All right, cool. Uh, but yeah, it, funny enough, like this is really a, a career slowdown point after that. I mean, he's working a lot, but like... Yeah. It sort of fits in spurts. You, I, I was talking to Louis beforehand. This is sort of the um, what I call the Tarantino era. Uh, mm-hmm. You get ninety six, ninety seven, two days in the valley, keys to mm-hmm. Tulsa, Driftwood, and I, I think what I was saying to Louis is like everybody saw the Tarantino bump from. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Definitely. Travolta, yeah, Travolta, and and like everybody saw that, and so you get a lot of these. Tarantino imitators, Two Days in the Valley, Keys to Tulsa. I didn't watch rewatch either of these. We've talked about them before, but I remember hating them both and just yeah. thinking, like, not great. Yeah, I I dislike uh, Keys to Tulsa so so much. I just think it's, it's so a derivative, really, really bad script. I just, I mean, so of course, you know, in terms of hotness with Spader's hotness, Jesus, oh, him yeah. in leather pants with the dark hair and the little goatee <laughs> thing, soul patch. Oh, yeah, the soul patch. I will watch that movie on mute <laughs> just to see him in it. He's so fucking sexy in this movie. Uh, but Two Days in the Valley, I. I, it has its moments. It's not a great film, but there's uh, what's his name? The the main actor who's in it. Um, Daniel. Yes, Daniel. He's yeah. so funny in this to me. He has so many parts that are just really, really good. So I find myself when I first watched this uh, last year, maybe two years ago, I was mostly I rewatched it a couple of times, but I was just rewatching scenes of just rewinding to Spader because <laughs> him and Charlize Theron are very hot together oh. in that. Oh my god! And, and, and I will Daniel say that. The thing, the thing that makes me laugh, the thing that I remember the most about it is there's that really, and I, I remember it being very long, and maybe it's not, but there's like a brutal fight between Terry, Terry Hatcher. Hatcher and, mm. and Charlize. Uh, Charlize, and mm-hmm. the neighbor hears it and thinks it's just more rough sex between Charlize <laughs> Theron and James Bader. And I was like, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a long scene. Like the, uh, yeah. the director of this movie said, I want these two hot girls fighting. I want them just to <laughs> extended cut girl. Like it's yeah. I, I didn't like either of those movies. I mm-hmm. thought wanna be edgy, wanna be, you know, Definitely. Like, cool movies. Blah. You know, people don't realize how important a minute is. So much life revolves around a single minute. You have a minute egg, minute waltz, minute rice. People are always demanding you give them a minute. Nobody realizes how valuable it is until they only have one left. <laughs> Wait. Just stand there a minute. I just want to look at you. The next bit 
is like kind of um and and this is not a course correction but it is like i think he's being more picky about what comes along in 97 you get critical care the sydney lumet film in 98 you get curtain call directed by peter yates in 2000 you get supernova famously taken away from its director and and given to david david cronenberg's enemy francis ford coppola um, the uh, nemesis nemesis uh, i say that because the year the crash was at con um the the jury was so split that they ended up giving Crash a special prize instead of giving them mm. instead of giving him the main prize. Right. And years later, Cronenberg said he found out that it wasn't the jury was split. It was Francis Ford Coppola was the head of the jury and hated it so much yeah. that the oh, jury wow. rebelled. Yeah. And that prize has never been given again. It's it's reserved. They wow. can give it. Oh yeah, yeah. But since Crash won it, it has not been given again. And Cronenberg has said that Coppola hated it so much that he refused to give him the award and had somebody else present it to him. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. The girls are fighting. The All girls right. are fighting. No wow. Um, but I, I think those three movies like is really James Spader trying to like be like, okay, if this Tarantino thing isn't working out, like, why don't I be a little more specific? Um, I Supernova's trash. I do want to get that out of the way. And yeah. Curtain Call. Uh, I'm not current call. Critical Care. I was telling Louis before. I think it's a really great script. I think it's maybe directed wrong, and like I, agree, I don't. Yeah, it's it's this movie about health insurance and doctors, and um, this James Spader has a patient who's in a vegetative coma, and his two daughters, played by Kira Sedgwick, who I love and can do no wrong, and Margot Martindale, same girl, mm-hmm. um, are fighting over whether he should be turned off life support or not because if he's turned off by a certain date. Gets the money, yeah, and if yeah. he's turned off by a later date, Margot Martindale gets the money, and James Spader's in the middle of this. The movie looks like a science fiction film for some reason. Bizarre. Yeah. It's costumed like a 1960s sex comedy. I don't like I these choices are it's a nuts. very weird production where it's like I do, I like the story. I appreciate yeah. what the story is and what it's trying to do, but it just does not work as a actual film. And it's kind of because of that, and I guess because of it's like tonally confusing, I just found myself just kind of like drifting in and out of it. So it's yes. one that I need to rewatch, but I do not want to rewatch anytime I- soon. I almost feel like there's no way to watch it without drifting in or out because then there's also okay, this yeah. there's this side plot with there's the magical realism. Yeah, d- there's That's Jeffrey right. Wright who is a a liver transplant patient and his body keeps rejecting transplants and he just wants to die and he's being visited by Wallace Shawn as the devil. And also Helen Mirren is the only, she's a nurse and she's the only person taking care of him. That could be its whole own Mm -hmm. thing. It's a side bit from the movie. And it's so, I mean, Jeffrey Wright and Helen Mirren are incredible. Like so, so good, but it's impossible to like figure out how that fits it. I mean, the the metaphor fits in, but like, it just feels like a different movie when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're experiencing it. Um, and then you have all these great scenes of Albert Brooks, who they brought in Stan Winston to basically make him Walter Matthau. And I don't, I don't understand why they were like, just hire Walter at that well, point. All, all, those, all those scenes are just in service of like, fuck insurance, fuck our yeah. healthcare system, fuck yes. doctors. Yeah. We are like, we are. And maybe that's why it's so confusing, because like, I think that movie is trying to like, be timeless. Like, you know, we mm-hmm. are in this dystopia of... Like, the fucking beds they lay on are, like, air 
Yeah, air mattresses. Yeah, the air mattresses. Are, yeah, it's very, very weird. Yeah. So it, it's it kind of takes it out of time, and maybe that's what they were trying to go for. But like, it is just a very confusing mm-hmm. thing um, overall. But yeah, I mean, if you want to get mad about healthcare, this is the movie's <laughs> here for you. <laughs> um, curtain call. I just want to bring up because it's so cute. <laughs> it's I've so never seen cute. that. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the few that I haven't watched yet. Same. Yeah. Same. I f- I found it on a not great copy on YouTube. Somebody had just okay. uploaded the full movie. Um, Maggie Smith, Michael Caine, ghosts. We could have oh. talked about this in our uh, cinema hauntings episode. Um, yeah, they're they're like 1920s film star ghosts who died in the 60s, and they they haunt James Spader's house. It's so cute. I just Aww. I was like, I want to live with these ghosts. Um, I mean, if I was to have some ghosts, Michael Caine and Maggie Smith would be good ghosts, right? Absolutely. Um, Supernova. We we talked about our Angela Bassett episode, uh, a movie I remember most for digital blackface, um, yes. which is a, a, a film, a film so messed up in its uh mm-hmm. in its post production that they added a sex scene between Angela Bassett and James Spader, a low gravity sex scene. It's That's so not bad. them. It's, it's so bad. It's, it's Robin Tunney. And Lou Diamond Phillips and Robin Tunty Tunty Wow <laughs> Hunty <laughs> Tunty <laughs> um, Ro- Robin Tunty's skin is digitally altered. I to... did not realize that was her. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, because it's it's shot okay. yeah it's shot so far away yeah. that I think they thought they could get away with it, but <laughs> press was like nah uh oh. um yeah it's well I mean that's the thing is Lou Diamond Phillips skin is then lightened to look yeah. like James Spader mm. and it, it's it, holy shit I think. I think it's such a testament to how unfocused and kind of bad that movie is that the chemistry was so right between Angela Bassett and James Spader that they thought that they could put in a sex scene and we would just buy it. I will say, that's... I remember that I was like, hot, 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 hot. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's the, I think that that's what frustrates me the most about that movie because I, I liked it when I first saw it only just because it was one of those I watched late at night. I was it, very it's fucked fun. up and it's fun. It is very yeah, it's, fun. Don't think but, about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You cannot think about it. It's not a movie about logic. It's just watch these hot people run around a spaceship yeah. and try to get yep. away from the bad guy and yep. spader and uh angela bassett's chemistry is so good it's just like crackling off the screen yeah. but i'm like the whole time i was like okay when are they gonna make out when are they gonna make out when are they gonna make out and then they fucking and it's cgi it was so yeah. bad and like and it's crazy because like they should they should be yeah. <laughs> the amount when when james spader and angela bassett are not on screen you should be thinking where are they kissing exactly yes. exactly <laughs> How do you think they get that in there? They put the bottles on the branches so that the buds are inside and the pears grow right in them. Then, when they're ripe, they pick the bottles, pour in the brandy, and voila. Of course, the real question is how the hell you get it out. I think the the thesis statement we have for Spader at least is like never turns in a bad performance. He, as you said up top, Louis, there is a very singular aspect to his acting style, but I don't think it's ever bad. No. And like when yeah. when he tries to move out of it, sometimes it can be a little shaky. But like, yeah, 
it's always like committed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think at worst, I've it's you know his later films, you know, we'll we'll get to those of kind of yeah. you know, but at worst, he just sometimes just feels uninspired by the script. It's like sure. he still Absolutely. commits, he still performs, but it's just like all right, he just doesn't have anything to do or to bring to this. But he's always very committed. Yeah. And I'm literally just going to lump the entire next section together from Please 2000. Do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, 2000, you get S- Slow Burn, which is as close to a direct video movie I've ever seen. Um, you get Speaking of Sex, which is a, a funny enough, a movie we have talked about before because it was my one star review in, my, in our Catherine O'Hara episode. Wow. I hated it so much. <laughs> um, and. I, you know, I'm just going to list them and then I'm going to mm-hmm. come back to some Secretary 2002, Stick Up 2002, Eyewitness 2003, Alien Hunter 2003, Shadow of, Field, Shadow of Fear 2004, Shorts 2009, Lincoln 2012, The Homesman 2014, and Avengers Age of Ultron 2015. I want to come back to 2002s. And you missed The Watcher. The Watcher is the only oh, one in 2000. I did miss The Watcher. Yeah, You're yeah. right. The only one. Yeah. Um, funny enough, uh, a movie... We talked about it in our Keanu Reeves episode. I don't think I told this anecdote. I feel like maybe I didn't know it at the time. Uh, a movie Keanu Reeves only did because his assistant forged his signature on the contract. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. What was the assistant said? I need some kickbacks for yeah. the watcher. <laughs> and so, and so Keanu Reeves was contractually wow. obligated not to shit talk the movie until a year after it came out. Wow. And he wow. did after the year after he was like that movie's bad and that's a professional, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The Watcher, funny. Um, I I wish there was more chemistry, but I think it's maybe an artifact of uh, the character Spader is playing in that movie. It's a movie where he's like a retired, he's like a traumatized uh, FBI agent because he was hunting down Keanu Reeves, who's a serial killer, and he didn't get there in time. And so he's since moved to Chicago and he's retired, but he still has all these PTSD flashbacks and Keanu Reeves menacing serial killer has followed him because they're best friends. (laughs) 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 Um, My biggest complaint about that movie, because it's fine, whatever it's throwaway for the most part is I wish him and Marissa Tomei had more chemistry because I like both of them. Yeah. And it's, but I also think like it's that time period where everybody was like, our, every main character has a psychiatrist and they mm-hmm. always fall in love with the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. This... It's it, the, the romantic angle is definitely forced. And I, for me, I think the thing that I, and it just sucks because it's like, I, I would love to see Keanu be yeah. successful at being, you know, this weird, crazy serial killer, but just nothing about the movie works. It just, it, it, it felt, I it just, I don't know. It, it has so many, um, like aesthetically, so many things that I highly dislike that it's doing, yes. like these weird slow motion edits, and like it's just it's an ugly movie too. I just yeah didn't didn't really enjoy it. Yeah, for some reason people really loved that like slow frame thing from the two mm-hmm. thousands. The like, and it's like no one needs this shutter effect. I don't know <laughs> no. what you think you're doing. Um, this era though was when he starts his dalliance with tv because he Mm. starts in the practice in 2003 right and then in 2004 boston legal pops off and so like you know all these movies like you know uh i watched eyewitness it's whatever yeah um but but a reteaming of him and and rowdy the guy that directed uh jack's back who we also did the stick up with and i feel like 
I feel like he's a really loyal friend based on those two yeah. movies. Where I'm like, yeah, it just feels like you know, a... it's a slowdown. You know, he he does Shadow of Fear, which was my direct-to-video version uh, because that movie I was like that. Is a fake movie. Um, it's a fake movie. It feels like a front, like somebody from the mob front. Yes, this yes. Just so they can get, I don't know what they got from it, but good yes. God. Um, but that was in 2004. And then he doesn't do, he's in shorts in 2009. And, and right. that's because he's in Boston Legal shooting a billion fucking episodes. Like there's over a hundred mm-hmm. episodes of Boston Legal alone. Um, and so I think like he, he, it feels like his interest is just not in, movies anymore or he's so inspired by you know i mean that show ran forever for a reason i have found that that television is able to finance many other things for instance i would not have been able to do lincoln which i loved doing i would not have been able to do that if i wasn't working for a year as a guest on the office a television show yeah um i uh even the Avengers was a was a film that I had great fun doing and paid all right, but um, but unless um, that's has unless that becomes a franchise for one, where you're doing one after another of those Marvel movies, it's not a career. I found a, many a refreshing interview with him where he's like, the the best way to put it is he needs the money. And yeah. he's like, the, in order for me to be, and like, listen, I kind of love that he's honest about it. He's me like, too. in order for me to live the life that I'm accustomed to, television is the the consistency and the money that I need to maintain that life. It's fun to hear him say that. I will say, there was a major recession in 2008. He the, he could have pared down his life a little bit, like, but <laughs> he was but like, no, I'm a famous Hollywood star. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, that's the other thing is he is so like yeah. it feels and like I, I'm not the one giving him financial advice, but um, but it is, it is nice to hear a celebrity talk about that. I work as hard as I do because to pay for my life, mm. um, and the economics of being an actor has changed dramatically in the last 20 years sometimes dictated by i'm out of money and uh so i might be looking for a film at a certain time of year uh and i'm looking for the best thing i can find at that time and sometimes it's something that i like like this and sometimes it's not sometimes it's something that I'm doing just because I need to earn the money. Now, I'm going to look for the best thing I can find at that time. And whatever I find, I'm going to try and do, <laughs> I'm going to try and make it into the best I can. It's interesting that his last time on the big screen was this motion capture voice <laughs> for a Marvel film that, I mean, no one liked Age of Ultron, whatever. I'm not here to like show Age of Ultron. Like, we, we get it. It is what it is. But like... <laughs> One, he does have a great voice. Like yeah. he could voice act till the end of days, and like it's just so commanding and so singular. Um, but it's telling, you know. Like he did this Marvel movie, and then went back to TV. And the Blacklist yeah. has been on TV for you know a long time now, considering it's the lifespan of shows. Ten mm-hmm. years. Ten Dear years. Lord. 
it had a spinoff. <laughs> like, did it, it's it's such a, and I've never watched it. It's it's on my list. It's one of the things that once I check off all of these movies, I'll probably check out a, a season or two. Uh, I definitely want to do Boston Legal though. I watched it when it was on, but I was too young to even like know what was actually going on with it. Um, but yeah, I, I do respect him as an actor that he does admit that, that he is just kind of like, yeah, this is a paycheck for me. Like, yes, I love to act. I enjoy acting, but the easiest way for me to get this paycheck to go to expensive dinners and you know he's apparently an audiophile so he has this like crazy sound system in his house and all so it's just you know to to enjoy your life of leisure yeah do do television i have to worry about picking these roles because you know especially considering how many just shit roles that he did pick in the 2000s just to kind of keep the paychecks coming like just to commit to tv and like have that be your your gig yeah not bad could be worse i also Uh, wanted to mention he is famously and i think probably a lot of like younger listeners know him from his time on the office mm-hmm. um, yes oh, that's, that was the lincoln uh the lincoln example is he said he did that entire season of the office so he could do lincoln yeah there you oh go. interesting and that, that makes sense yeah um, and so like i was like oh wow yeah it's uh two things before we move out of this real quick um uh, or or touch on his personal life which we we really haven't done too much of that but uh i um one uh, I do. I mentioned up top. I love Boston Legal. Somebody asked him there, like, "You have such good chemistry with William Shatner. You guys must be really good friends." He's like, "No." <gasps> he's like, "We." He's like, "We've seen each other maybe twice since that show ended." He's like, "But that's the the key to David E. Kelly's writing and and our screen." Mm. He's like, "But we're very different people." And I was like, "Wow, I would wow, not have guessed that." Yeah. yeah. He's like, um, "I'm a professional. I don't have friends." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I just wanted to bring up real quick too, like, uh, um secretary and i think secretary is maybe what kind of cements him with that odd reputation between that and crash for being secretary is a romantic comedy about bdsm um that's because it's him him and maggie gyllenhaal i i really love his performance in that movie it's Mm -hmm. so singular and so specific and uh i think he dug really deep there's a line reading towards the end of the movie where he's like we we couldn't do this 24 7 seven days a week and Maggie Gyllenhaal's like, why can't we? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just the, the his reaction to that, and it's very that movie's good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, that movie. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoy that movie. Um, in terms of his personal life, I mean, he uh, he did win an Emmy for the practice, um, and he won it again in two thousand seven for Boston Legal. You know, he so he do, is getting rewarded for these TV uh, jobs. And then also, uh, he met his first wife, who was a decorator, Victoria Keel, while working in a yoga studio after he moved to New York City in the 80s. I mentioned he was a yoga instructor. Uh, They married in 87, and they had two sons, and then they split in 2004. Um, when he began dating his Alien Hunter co-star, Leslie Stephenson, uh, in 2003, um, in 2002, they had one son together. And uh, I mentioned that he maybe has OCD it sounds like he's self-diagnosed. I don't know. I don't know his personal psychiatric life. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. Keeping it, he's keeping it guarded close to the he, chest. Yes. He is. And I, th- I think that's the other thing, as I mentioned before, I think that's the other thing that's important about him is he's very like, you know what? There's a life for the press and there's a life for me. And I mm-hmm. think there's, there's a good separation there. I refuse to let my home life and my life with my friends and my family be compromised by what it is I do for a living. I refuse to let that happen. As passionate as I feel about it, 
it, it's not worth sacrificing anything in my home life. It's him and Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly that. Uh, I think that is a good place to stop down on Spader. So why don't we go to our our picks and why don't we start with our one-star reviews to talk about the films of his that we maybe didn't really like. Hoya, as our guest, Gurley, you get to go first. What is your one-star review? We are cruel. There, I know. There, but you know, he makes it easy. Spader has a lot of stinkers. <laughs> he has a lot of very, very bad movies. Um, but I think for me, the one that I just absolutely hated watching was uh, Alien Hunter. I just, it's so physically ugly. It, the colors yeah. are gross. Everybody looks sick and pale. It's just, it's, and I love shitty Alien movies, and it just somehow <laughs> failed to even be wow. fun. It's very, wow. I just thought it was dry. I thought it was very boring. And Spader is just, he, he's not really hot in it. He doesn't do anything. He's just there. Uh, it yeah. felt like a paycheck movie for everybody. It just felt like no one had chemistry. No one was excited to be there. It just, all right, let's shoot. Okay, cut. All right, cool, bye. That's just kind of <laughs> what it felt like. So for me, I, I, I do not want to have to watch that movie over again. I would happily go through all of his trash movies again, but that wow. one might get that out of my face. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so I, I'm going to take the opportunity to go second because w- we purposely don't tell each other our picks to keep it fresh, to keep it lively. I 100% co-sign that. I, Alien Hunter is my <laughs> one-star review. Wow. I watched I watched Alien Hunter instead of watching the Oscars. <laughs> and, oh, no. <laughs> um, it no, is... It's so bad. It is it's so, so bad. it's so low budge. And like, mm-hmm. listen, I I don't want to shit on any low budget filmmakers. We've we've talked about um, on this show before. It's really hard to make a movie. Nobody sets out to make a, a bad movie. Definitely. But this really, like, literally, I just to give you a clue, the alien in the movie when they finally reveal the alien, it is the same puppet from Independence Day. <laughs> they found her on eBay. Yeah, they they couldn't even come up with an original alien. Yeah, it is a hideously ugly movie, and it it drove it made me so sad to find out that the final ten minutes of the movie, which takes place in this very like green screen CG <laughs> globulous thing, took them six months to make. <gasps> no, I was like, yeah, Ew. mama. Oh, I was mama. like, no. Like it's people spent time on so this. So many people wasted their lives. Oh yes. my god! And it's it's so bad. And like, congrats to him for meeting his second wife there. Exactly. It's the only <laughs> like, silver lining is he met his his now yeah. wife. But, but dear God, it's so bad and so boring. And like filled with when it's not filled with bad CG shots, it's filled with obvious stock shots. My favorite is yeah. he's he works for SETI, but he's also a college professor. And when it shows like the generic shot of the college he works at as an exterior, I was just like, couldn't, couldn't even <laughs> afford that Getty money. What is this? Like <laughs> iStock.com? Like, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow, I was, wow, 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 wow. You really think it's ETI in origin, don't you? Everything certainly points to it. I hope you're wrong, Jules. Boy, nobody's called me that for a long time. Why do you hope I'm wrong? Because if you're right, we could be Neanderthals in comparison. Well, that may not be so bad. Just think we might learn from them. So Alien Hunter, yeah. definitely mm-hmm. a one-star review. Louis, you what guys is yours? are making me dive here. Um, 
so I was telling Gavin before this, like I didn't get to Alien Hunter, and I, uh, and I wanted so to. Lucky you. <laughs> but I, in the similar vein, my one star review um, is Stargate, um, where <laughs> okay, where yeah, he also plays it. a scientist who yeah. like has all the anthers. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love movies that are like NASA has all these really smart people, but they. Can't, <laughs> They're so stupid. They're so dumb. <laughs> and it takes this fucking community college professor to come in and be like, right. actually, you mistranslated all these things. And why don't I just go boop, 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 boom, Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, I, uh, I had not seen Stargate since I was uh, maybe even a preteen. And hmm. I... When I was that age, if something bored me, it was done. And I found Stargate so boring it's that so I never, boring. I never got into the like TV show or anything because I was just in my mind. I was like, it's so boring. I watched it literally last. I saved it for last because I was like, ugh, it's gonna be a slog. And I watched it last night and I was like, you know what? This movie's really boring. It's yeah. boring. <laughs> the, the, it's wild that like I uh, is inherently problematic that they're like okay what about if egypt was aliens um like (laughs) i mean i the ancient alien stuff always gives me pause because invariably it always goes back to brown people couldn't have done this there's no way they could have done this so obviously exactly yeah and slavery no and so like this and, and so like i thought I was like, maybe it's not really like that. And I no, watched once again watching last night. And when they when they first meet the the slaves, uh, all the people that they first mm-hmm. meet, I was like, they're literally all people of color. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and, and like James Spader's love interest is literally a woman that was given to him. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. In servitude, and like, and they and they can't talk. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And and it's just again like the costume like they're in Egypt regalia like royal regalia but they're but techno Egypt techno yeah. Egypt <laughs> it's it's it wants to be Star Wars so bad it wants to be you know like this big giant space opera so bad um, the, I, the the guy that played Ra hated those costumes so much he retired from acting I, wow yeah There's, okay. I'm like just looking at like the Wikipedia and there's like all these crazy things how like they put like sticks in cloth in the background to make it look like there were people in the in the desert. They like (laughs) the original starship was black, but they thought it looked like a tire. So they painted it silver at the last minute. Like, oh, my God, I I will say the one like the, the nice thing James Spader has said. And I think it's like a backhanded like slap to. Ultron as I watched an interview with him after he'd already done that and he was like the nice thing about doing Stargate was at least the sets were physical and I wasn't having to act against like a green screen or a broom yeah. with a the thing on it yeah, uh, so, yeah. I, I, it's it's such a bad movie I, I did not enjoy that one at all and it's so it's you know it's two hours but for something yeah. to be that boring it feels like it's at least four hours it drags yes. It drags. It's it's got the like it wants to do this like massive world building, but it's just like so misguided. Yeah, he is doing his Indiana Jones best, I guess. <laughs> and um, in the end, it's just kind of like a nothing burger. Who's the mm-hmm. oh oh Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell's the guy yeah. with the gun. Yeah. Kurt Russell is a guy that they they like select to lead their team, and you know that he's a man on edge because they like burst into his room in an and avert him from committing suicide right like he like <laughs> is sitting in a room alone with a loaded gun and he like slides it underneath a pillow but that pillow has hieroglyphics on it yeah. so you know he's the right man so think about that I- i'm gonna need more time i mean there's bound to be more structures here or some other traces of civilization 
Not this trip. Just get back in there and reestablish contact. Well, it's not that easy. This is a replica of the Great Pyramid of Giza. We're not going to find any hieroglyphic inscriptions or carved relief. I mean, we really, we really need to look around. Your job here is to realign the Stargate. Can you do that or not? I can't. All right. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like we don't like um, uh, James when he's going to space. Uh, yeah. Was, <laughs> Is there is there anything else we want to mention really quickly um, that prob like where's the bottom of the barrel type uh, stuff? I gotta I, definitely gotta throw out Shadow of Fear. That's uh yeah. that's just a god awful like it just felt like one of those movies that just maybe it was somebody's just trial of making a movie. And again, you know, not to crap on anybody's art. Like I, I respect anybody trying to make a movie, but that movie particularly is just, it's so bad. I'm like, who is yeah. this for? One, who was this yeah. made for? Why yeah. was this made? And what was the plan for like, like who, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand why that movie was made. And then James um, is really bad in it. He just kind of, yeah. he's just, he's whispering the whole time. And then he's just not really doing too much. It's just, I don't understand that movie at all. Very, very astute um, observation. Okay, Gavin, let's get out of here. Let's get into our five-star <laughs> reviews. Okay, so my controversial opinion was going to be that it's Dream Lover, but I don't want to get canceled, so... <laughs> I'm so really, sorry, Toya. Really, it's been no, it's so like, nice. No. <laughs> the reviews are mixed. <laughs> do not cancel me. No, uh, I really do enjoy that movie, though. Like I said, it's just right down my alley in terms of oh, just I, psychotic it's, craziness. It's, as much as I was kind of shitting on it, I do think it is fun. I just, yeah. it does get to that point where when he does hit her that I was like, oh, this is what we're building to. And like, it, it almost yeah. feels like her plan is too clever for that. Like, but it's yeah, also the 80s yeah. and they won't let her have that. Yeah, 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 or the exactly. 90s i guess the 90s yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um but no but that's not my my actual pick that's like my um uh, dream lover but yeah. my actual pick is <laughs> i love white palace i think white palace is so so precious it's so special it's it made me cry multiple times uh again i just really enjoy adult dramas about real people trying to navigate love and like figuring out relationships with each other and what happens when you have you're closed off, you have your own traumas and you're trying to to kind of communicate that with another person. So I think that's a really, really special movie. I wish more people would watch it. I wish more movies were made like that. Uh, I think now television is kind of the place to find those types of yeah. stories. But yeah. I just, I think it's cool that, you know, it's, it's just a reminder that like, oh yeah, once upon a time, we were giving a good, a sizable budget to telling these types of stories. So I just miss having adult stories like that. It's, I love that movie because they are given the space to be very generous and kind to each other, even through mm -hmm. their fuck-ups. Mm -hmm. um, the way, you know, he gives her that vacuum cleaner and she, you know, goes off the handle like, like she should. The movie is does not make him too proud or yeah. mad. To, like the next day he comes back with a bunch of fucking flowers, you know, yeah. like, and it gives everyone a lot of grace to be like... Yeah, like I, I, this is difficult for me. It's difficult for you. Like, and but we're learning together. We're figuring out together. And so, 
I think like a, a more dramatic fucking movie would make it into like a bigger deal. Agreed, you know? like, agreed. Yeah. And I think that's the that's what makes it so special are, are these small moments that feel very realistic. Cause I mean, there's that part where he comes over to her house and she's on the porch because her lights have been off and like yeah. Yeah. she's just like chain smoking and she's pissed at him because she wanted, she needed him to be there, but he couldn't because he was doing his own thing. And they just kind of have this real conversation just about, you know, just I just I love that. I think that that's such a great great way of showing how nuanced relationships are with with each other there's no other woman bullshit i wish there was but there isn't i can't even look at another woman without wanting you afraid you're gonna have to do better than that Nora. i don't know what's happening <laughs> why did you lie to me i don't know what's happening to me i have never wanted a woman as much as i wanted you never not even my wife you better be careful with words like that words like that could kill a person if you don't mean it well i mean it that you love me more than you do your wife? I didn't say that. I said I wanted you more than my wife. That's a really good pick. I it's, also it, love yeah, that movie. A fantastic pick. I do really love that movie. And uh, also their chemistry is off the... T- Once mm-hmm. again, James Spader's kind of a chemistry machine, but like yes. really is, him yeah. and Sarandon are... Yeah. Woo. Um, um, Gavin, what about you? I'm also going to go with Sexy Sexual Spader, and yeah. I'm going to go with 1996's Crash. Now, I know that might be kind of a controversial pick because it is sort of a distanced performance. Like, it's not his, It's not a showy performance. No one is mm-hmm. showy in that movie. I mean, maybe Holly Hunter at the most yeah. in terms of like, but that's just because she can't she's Holly Hunter. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, as we mentioned, autoerotic, like, he's this man who's kind of drawn into this illicit world of sex and cars and it's like like you said toya it's very fluid everybody like it it's not really about being gay or straight or bi it's just everybody's just turned on i think the scene that like really sells it to me the most is there's that moment towards the end of the film where they're all watching like crash test footage Mm -hmm. and they pause it for a moment and holly hunter's like needs to unpause it like she's so fucking turned on by the (laughs) but but james spader i think is both good at he's a participant in this world and he's also this kind of observer a large portion of this movie is him literally driving Elias Cotius around as he fucks people in the back seat. And I, I think you have to be so engaged with what's going on in Spader's head and what, like he knows this is a crazy situation, but he knows him and all of these people have become such slaves to these impulses that they have. And it's, I think it's fascinating. I think, ugh. I mean, there are papers that are written about it, but I think there's papers that can be written about it. It's it's mm-hmm. such a unique, it's a very, um, it's a postmodern film without being showy about its postmodernness. And yeah, it, but I don't know. I, there's, there's something about him being so closed off and so open. And like, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a movie about car crashes. There's a, there's a moment at the end of the movie where there's a car crash and he's with his wife. And he says maybe the most gross thing in the movie, which is he asks her if she's hurt. And she's like, I don't think I am. And he says, maybe next time. <laughs> and it's it's mm-hmm. so gross and so weird and erotic. And so like it's almost like the natural conclusion to these people's sexual desire is death. Yeah. Like they are going to die doing this. Who is that, the announcer? Right now, I'm here behind the seats was a very sophisticated, air-cooled, flat, four-cylinder race. That's fine. He spoke to you at the hospital. Cubic centimeters. It featured 
four. I thought he was a medical photographer. Driven by a complex set of bevel views. Doing some sort of accident research. He wanted every conceivable detail upon our crash. Bodied and light. No more than 1,350 pounds. Uh, it was nimble. It was responsive. When I first met Vaughn, he was a specialist in international computerized traffic systems. of the day said that it was not an easy car to drive I don't know what he is now. Well, yeah. it's like the danger of desire. Because yeah. there's because the entire movie, they're not coming. Like her no. him and his wife True. cannot cannot have orgasms. They're fucking everybody. Yeah. You know, having they have these really rich sex lives in the hopes to finally come, finally orgasm. And then all of a sudden, you know, after this crash, they're kind of entangled in this like weird psychosexual <laughs> auto sexual world and and even at the end after this other crash it's like maybe next time you know like mm. there there's still the desire for or the, the danger of desire just is never ending until yeah. perhaps like you said gavin death like is de- death the final orgasm the you know? ultimate like release yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly and, and, uh, just reading about cronenberg in this movie it's like very like oh my god like this yeah. is great <laughs> <laughs> he tr- he was told several times not to make this movie that it would ruin his career and i'm so happy it didn't obviously mm-hmm. but yeah it's dangerous I mean, it's so funny that you know scorsese put it on his top it was number eight on his top 10 films in the 90s um uh bertolucci told him that it it wasn't a, a movie it was a religious experience it's just it's all all these like you know it, I think it says a lot about the audience, but also I just picked it as my five star review. So whatever. Like, yeah, what yeah, does it say yeah. about me? It's a great pick. I mean, it's a great pick too. And especially in terms of Spader's performance, I think you make a great point that of how kind of closed off he is. And I think that's what I like about him as an actor is that like, I don't consider him a very outwardly showy actor. Yeah. I think he's a very he lets things simmer. He's a very internal actor. So he's one of whatever character he's playing, you kind of see the wheels turning. You don't really know what he's thinking or what he's planning to do until the actions show you, but he puts all of his process, like it's a very internal process that he kind of just emotes on screen. And I think it's it's a really interesting, fascinating kind of way of, of performing. Yeah, and it's funny it. because it's funny that you say that because I think when he does get external, you get a performance like the new kids where he's bleach blonde and yeah, like like exactly. doing a bad southern accent and like exactly. being just the most like spader spader could be. Yeah. So you're you're right. Yeah, it's that distance. Louis, what is your five star review? My five star review is 2002 Secretary. Um, we we again, all like the sexy spader. We like a sexy spader. sexy spader. That's the only way to enjoy him. That's the, yeah, that's the way you get yeah. in, and then everything else is secondary. <laughs> I think Maggie is very good in this. Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think again, the this movie is a lot about he. So the main character is Maggie Gyllenhaal. She is this woman who self harms. Um, she is trying to find her way after being released from a hospital. Um, and James and, and James Spader hires her to be a secretary. Um, he's a little bit of weirdo and he sees, he kind of like sees the signs that she is into self-harm. Um, and, and she is kind of like relapsing a little bit. She's kind of like, you know, on a downward slide and he sees her and he just starts telling her to be his like BDSM girly and she is like oh fuck i need this in my life and they have this really wonderful relationship where they just 
um, are each other's releases from like the horrors of everyday life. And, you know, and, um, but he, um, he is disgusted with himself. He does not like this about mm-hmm. himself. He thinks he is, um, you know, unwell, uh, um, you know, he, and so he pushes her away. Um, and they kind of have this, like you said earlier, like they have this like rom com love story thing. And she uh, is unwilling to give it up. She's like, she needs this to survive. Um, yeah. Whereas he is just really pushing that away. And what I love is like, because a lot of it is internal, but then like you get the like, he has like the release valve to be able to be like, bend over the fucking table. Like, and mm-hmm. just like, let's fucking go. And it's like, it is, it is so hot, but it is not. It's kind of the same thing as like sex um, uh, videotape. Sex lives in videotape. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 the restraint, like yeah. <laughs> both literally and metaphorically <laughs> yeah. uh, here. But like it's it, and it also I would say in Crash, like they literally have these machines on their bodies, are like you know, yeah. um, and so it's, um, I think it's a, it's just like a very like you know tea kettle performance, and mm. and in the end, you know. Um, they figure it out, but it's like, I, I thought a lot about like, you know, man, when you just like, even though this movie is about BDSM, it's about, you know, accepting every part of yourself and, and giving up that shame we have so much shame around sex as a culture, mm-hmm, yeah. as a people. And I think all three of these movies do a really good job of like, you know, exploring like what, how fulfilling your life would be if you just like give up that shame. Why do you cut yourself like I don't know. Is it that sometimes the pain inside has to come to the surface and when you see evidence of the pain inside, you finally know you are really here? Then when you watch the wound heal, it's comforting, isn't it? I... That's a way to put it. I'm going to tell you something, Lee. Are you ready to listen? Are you listening? You will never, ever cut yourself again. Do you understand? Have I made that perfectly clear? You're over that now. It's in the past. I think mm-hmm. part of the brilliance of the construction of a movie is that it does present itself with some very romantic comedy tropes in order for because I think BDSM is kind of hard for an audience to get behind because of that shame because yeah. of that you know the things that we tell ourselves that we're not allowed to do and we can't do uh, you know is this a healthy boss uh, yeah. worker relationship no but not that's why he fires <laughs> <Yeah>. her <laughs> the exactly. yeah, but, but but I think I think if it's not presented that way that uh, you know I it's so it's so delicate you know this time watching it because I hadn't seen it in years this time and not to make this another clue episode but watching Leslie Ann Warren who plays her mom it like I I think she's such a deep character because you kind of understand where Maggie Gyllenhaal is she's such a like protector she's the type of woman who will literally drive to her daughter's workplace because she's so scared about Mm -hmm. her daughter's fragility that she's like I'm gonna wait here for five hours for you to finish work (laughs) Mm -hmm. right like right and it's it's there's something very powerful she literally 
is throwing away the tools that she needs that she feels she needs to to keep herself sane and those tools are like all her like knives and all those like right. you know, cutting instruments she has it is more powerful than sex and and there's yeah. like a really horrible scene where he you know masturbates on her mm-hmm. and she's like she's so disappointed because this is not about sex this is about right. yeah. like being unguarded this is about being free this is about like trusting someone um but because of his shame and he is so repulsed by the idea that like he's getting love and pleasure over their um sub and dom relationship yeah um he you know kind of ruins it a little bit Mm -hmm. um but but she's she's unwilling to give it up but i think that's when her character realizes that like in a sub and dom relationship there is aspects of both because like like i mentioned before that scene earlier when he's like we can't do this 24 7 and she's like why can't we Mm -hmm. it's like in that moment she's the dom she's like no we're gonna yeah, he needs to realize that he needs it as much as she does. Right. And yeah, that's exactly. where the catharsis, that's where, like, the ending of it all coming together. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. I, I had never <laughs> seen it before. And I, I, immediately oh, really? texting, I immediately started texting friends. I was like, have you seen this movie? <laughs> like, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's so, so interesting, yeah. too, of this kind of, like, this came out when it did before it was cool to be into BDSM. And, like, yeah. when, when Kink yeah. was still this kind of, like shameful thing like anybody who even remotely yeah. was like oh i'm kind of interested in it you know you everybody yeah. oh really it was, it was still very taboo for, exactly exactly and it's it's i really appreciate kind of how that movie shifted the conversation and i mean i think you know now that's why we can have such you know watered down stuff like 50 shades of gray and all exactly. of that exactly exactly starts with this yeah I had completely forgotten that his character name is Gray in the movie, and I was just like, yeah, well, someone yeah, fucking know. stole something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, um, exactly. But yeah, those are all really good picks. Was there anything else that either of you saw? I mean, there's a the bunch of things, and for, you know, I don't want to go on for too long of time, but there was a bunch of other things that I saw that I really liked. And once again, I will say, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but uh curtain call so cute mm-hmm. <laughs> like, i would say the music of chance is, if you want to mind fuck yes like yeah, go yeah. watch that that go down the rabbit hole tough uh, turf very 80s yeah, very, very like 80s. fun nonsense <laughs> i really like Starcross. i don't know if y'all watch star oh yes but it's so so 80s so much neon pink it's so weird but so just... much red leather yes <laughs> yes just such a it's such a, a perfect time capsule of that time but just like another alien movie i think it's his best alien movie <laughs> yes so I'll, I'll okay there we go best alien movie all good picks uh but i think we should move into our mixed reviews review my one star review uh is alien hunter from 2003 my one star review was also alien hunter from 2003 and my one star review was stargate from 1994 my five star review is white palace from 1990 my five-star review was Crash from 1996. And my five-star review is 2002's Secretary. Oh, the sexy trifecta right there, baby. <laughs> truly, truly. Truly is. Sexiest films of all time right there. <laughs> all right, let's get into our fast forward. In terms of what's coming up, uh, Blacklist is ending. So James Spader's going to be a free man. Yeah, so wow. unless unless he gets, unless he lands... I've heard some crazy theories about Blacklist, a show I don't even watch, but in researching them, <laughs> like some people believe that he's like secretly the, the there was a main character 
she was killed off a couple seasons ago, even though the whole crux was like, how is he related to her? Some people mm. believe he's truly her mother with plastic surgery. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, okay. this is crazy. <laughs> um, uh, I, once again, I, I, I don't watch that show, so I don't know. I have no skin in the game. But yeah, when that show ends, he's going to be a free agent. I wonder if he'll continue on the TV path. Uh, I truly mm. don't know. Um, I prefer he stay out of Marvel movies, but you, maybe they'll bring yes. Ultron back. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think his voice is. If they want to bring Ultron back, like let's just do a little voice moment, baby. Like yeah. get that check, mm-hmm. whatever. I think like where I see him honestly is just you know, like FX, an FX show of some yeah, sort. Like I, yeah. I do love that he is in his alpha old man domineering bag right now like yes. he has always had that presence um just us talking about him and angela bassett earlier made me think like i would really just fuck with some you know uh later in life sexual attention um you know mm-hmm. I, I would really like to see have bring that back um I don't know if he's being able to be sexy on blacklist it doesn't sound like it i don't uh, think sound so like it, yeah yeah but uh yeah, I think, like, I was thinking about, like, he obviously has changed a lot. He was a strapping young lad. He is now um, an older gentleman. But, like, the vibe just never fucking stops. He, like, always mm-hmm. has it oozing out of him. Um, and, yeah, I kind of think, like, he's so good at that singular thing that I think I want him to keep doing it. Like, yeah. I, it, yeah. sometimes sometimes it's like, oh, we want to see them like on Broadway or a comedy. I'm like, no, no, no. Whatever James Spader does, I just want him to be sexual tension. Yes. Um, you know, and and be like the guy. Um, and, and I would I would love that because, as you said, you know, he he is aging. He is he's not super thin anymore. I feel like I can say that as a heavier set person. And he's balding and you know he's like mm-hmm. constantly wearing fedoras. He said like his two vices in life are records and hats. So like wow. um <laughs> but he you know he's I would love if he got to continue to be that sex symbol even though he doesn't look like what we consider yep. a sex symbol. Like we need that. I, I agree. think I agree, because, I mean, you know, to be honest, like, I mean, I'd still fuck. If I ever met yeah. him and we're down, like, of course. Like, I'm still going in, if that's the case. So, like, I Baby, would Baby, love... if he did it to me, too? Yeah. I mean, right? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I would, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, like, I would love for him to continue down that kind of trajectory in the next phase of his career, because it will be fascinating to see where he goes. And I think that, okay, now with television being so amorphous and you know, so grand as it is now, the right platform needs to kind of snap him up and do do yeah. a cool project with him. Yeah. So I'd love to yeah. see, you know, whether it be FX or HBO or something like that. But I definitely think he needs to go the the mature route and like continue down that road. Yeah, yeah, something something that can keep him in wine and boats. <laughs> yeah, what... exactly. <laughs> Listen, we want our spader sexy, and we want it now. Okay, exactly. keep him out of keep, just keep him out of space. That's all. I have yeah, to say. just space, and we're fine. Yeah, it's okay if an alien comes here. Exactly. But he can't go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can't, he can't go, go no. there. And I think he's he's had enough of being a cop, detective, whatever. Yes. Like, like yes. let's let's move on from that. That's been it's been a long time. So let's let's move on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, no narc spader either. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. 
Toya, you have been oh my god, this is a this dream. is a true treat. Yeah, you are amazing. Guys, thank you so much. Thank um, you. I do want to give you a moment to plug whatever you want to plug. Obviously, plug the book. Tell people where they can yeah. find you online. And I I would, if I could, like, keep you just a little bit longer. I know Louis has to run shortly after this, but yeah, if no I could problem. talk to you about the book for a little bit, I would also love to do that. Oh, I would love to. Sure, sure. Awesome. But it's all so yours. You plug, the stage plug is yours. Now? Okay, I'll plug yeah. now. So, yeah. So, right now, like, you can find me online. I'm on, uh, it's Quatoya underscore Murray on Instagram. I have platforms everywhere. Find me on Letterboxd. It's Toya M on Letterboxd. Follow me there. It's one of my favorite places online. So I'm always <laughs> updating. And then, yes, please read my book. Buy my book. You can find it at Amazon or wherever books are sold. It's TCM Underground, 50 must-see classics. Fifth, sorry, it's a very long title. 50 must-see <laughs> films from the world of classic cult and late-night cinema. Uh, I co-wrote it with Millie DeCherico, who's the former programmer for TCM Underground. It's a phenomenal experience. We're very proud of the book. And yeah, any support uh, helps. So thank you guys so much for having me. Like, this has absolutely yeah. been wonderful. Like, this has been so I much fun. The vibe of like late night underground movies, like that is just the. Yeah. I love I love people who aren't too precious about movies. You said put that shitty movie on. I want to exactly. see it. Like, exactly. Well, that's <laughs> that's one of the reasons why. Like, I especially finding out, you know, asking you to be on the show, finding out that you were even interested. That's one of the things I love because one of the reasons we do this show, one of the th- reasons that attracted me to this show five years ago, was we get to talk about movies that people don't necessarily seek out mm-hmm. or see. And there's so many movies in this book that we have talked about. I mean, polyester, um, yeah, uh, Blackula, um, mm-hmm. the I'm I'm like losing them all now, but they, they've all been things that we've touched on house aka Houseu. Mm-hmm. like th- these are all let's scare jessica to death we talked about in our vampire episode like i these are movies i genuinely love and so i'm glad to like have a book that's celebrating them and hopefully telling other people like you know we can we can scream it from the rooftops but we're just it's just louie and i like so it's nice to have somebody who's like <laughs> an actual <laughs> academic be like no there's stuff here yeah <laughs> like, exactly and yes that, and that's my thing i'm like hey trust me i got my masters i know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> and pat and oswald wrote the forward so no to that it's point a great like, we, we do Fun. love that it is something that uh, a lot of just cult movie fans can kind of appreciate. We're not talking about these movies from more of a, sometimes there's a little bit of the high art talk, but it's not a academic boring. It's just like, no, these are fun (laughs) movies that we enjoy. Here's the context behind it. Here's why you need to watch it. So, you know, and just, you know, pleasure of talking to fellow people like you guys who are doing the work and also celebrating and championing these movies. And a lot of these actors who people just kind of overlook because they're not the A-list cool guys. So yeah, that's, we need, we need more moviegoers like us in the world. Yay. Oh, I love it. You have been incredible. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having it's, me. Like I said at the beginning, I mean, like when the film girls get together, it's just so much fun. Um, <laughs> so much fun. So yes, thank, thank you, you so much, thank you. Toya. But remember, if you want to contact us on Twitter, you can always find us at at the Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook at the Mixed Reviews. You can always email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on the Insta at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog of episodes like you just listened to this one, you can find us on any major podcast app. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. Amazon, Audible, pretty much anywhere that you find podcasts. And if you do listen to us on any of those, stop by, leave us a five-star rating, write us a little review, and we'll read it on the show. Yeah, we love love notes. 
We do. Absolutely. <laughs> we love love notes like James Spader loves sex. Okay. <laughs> but like also a little bit weird. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye-bye. We walk the night. We walk the night. Fighting the darkness that breaks our hearts. We hold each other tight.